0: For most believers, there will be times in their life where it feels like they are facing the impossible, and by human standards, many times it is. But those are the times where God expects us to simply trust in Him. Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's worship services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich explains how these are the times where God is most apparent, and rightly so, most glorified. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich preaches a message entitled, Mission Impossible, from John chapter 11.
1: All right, well, it's good to be in the Lord's house with you guys this morning as we open up his word and see what he has to say to us. As I said, we'll be in John 11, reading verses 20 through 40, 20 through 40. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which had come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then were there with her in the house and, they, and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne once again this morning. We are so grateful that we have this opportunity to gather here together. We are so blessed to be able to lift your name in praises and worship, to lift our petitions to you in prayer. Uh, it is truly a, a privilege, a blessing to be able to approach your throne with our, with our requests, Lord. We know that, that you are a wonderful and mighty and awesome God and that you will hear our prayers. And Lord, we just ask now that as we step before you and step into your word, we just ask that you help us to prepare our hearts and minds. Help us to be open and overceptive to all that which you want us to take from this message today. And Lord, I know I'm not worthy to be the one to stand here and present the message. I just ask that you empty me of anything that could in any way interfere with the message. Pride, selfishness, distraction. Take it all away, Lord, that I might be filled with your spirit, that I might speak only the words that you've laid upon my heart. And Lord, as a church, as we continue to seek your direction and what to do, where to go, what the plans are, Lord, we just ask that you continue to give us direction, continue to lay it upon our hearts that we might be always in the center of your will. We always might be about your business and never turn inwardly focused. And Lord, that we always see the needs that are around us, whether that is spiritual or physical. And Lord, as individuals, we know that our time is drawing short. Uh, Lord, the signs are out there that the that uh, the, 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 the end uh, is, is drawing nigh, Lord. We just, we just ask that you help us to understand that the fields are white for the harvest. We'll understand that the time is short and that we need to be busy. We need to be busy sharing your gospel with all those that we come in contact with, that we might enlarge your kingdom and exalt your name. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us of our sins. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're all familiar with this, uh, this part of the Bible where Lazarus dies. And there is a very interesting dynamic going on here in this story um, because of the, the timing of all of this and everything. And the idea here is that when Jesus shows up, it, it appears that he's already too late. To Mary, it seems like he's too late. To Martha, it seems like he's too late. To all the Jews that had come to, to mourn with him, it all seems like, Jesus, you're late. You're too late. He's already dead. So, so this is kind of a, a, just a visitation of sorts for Jesus when he comes to visit his friend Lazarus. We know that Jesus was impacted by all of this as well. Because within this set of verses that we read this morning is the shortest verse in the Bible. And that is Jesus wept. This is an interesting verse because it shows Jesus' humanity, his emotion, his emotional attachment to those whom he loved that were in his friend friend circle. So he shows up in this situation. He shows up at the home of Martha, Mary or shows up in the town of Mary and Martha, and it seems like it's all over with. It's all too late. The situation seemed impossible. Perhaps you in your life today, you're faced with the impossible. But have you ever thought maybe that you just don't know what God's plan is in all of it? Oftentimes what comes across to us as impossible is simply a lack of our understanding of what God is doing. You know, when you think about it, impossible situations oftentimes are the result of plans that we thought were in play. Things that we thought were happening that went sideways on us. All too often we as humans find ourselves embedded in God's plan and we formulate in our minds. We kind of play it out. We kind of plan it out. What we think that that path is going to be rather than simply allowing God to let his plan to play out. I mean, let's look at the background here. Jesus' friend, Lazarus, started out being sick. It wasn't an instantaneous death. He became ill and died from whatever the illness was that he perhaps had. Jesus, who was recognized by Mary and Martha and his disciples as one that actually had the power to heal Lazarus of this illness, would be the one that they would call upon. So in their minds, he was the plan. Here's the plan. We're going to send word to Jesus. Jesus is going to come rushing back into town. He's going to heal Lazarus and all will be well. And in their mind, this was the plan that they had formulated. He'd make his way to Bethany. Calls upon the power of God to heal Lazarus. And everything turns out great. They had it all figured out. Their plan involved the power of God. So it made sense, right? It was logical. It was reasonable and that even from a rational standpoint that Jesus could take care of the situation and that God would take care of the the, the problem that they had. After all, when you think about it, Jesus was actually quite fond of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were close friends of his. And the scriptures tell us even that he loved Lazarus. But let's take a look at what actually happened. And when we look at this, it seems puzzling at first until we understand how God was working behind the scenes. Remember the plan was to contact Jesus. Jesus quickly comes, heals Lazarus, right? So here's what happens. They make contact with Jesus. Jesus is told Lazarus is sick. Jesus says, okay, we're going to hang out here a couple days before we go to Bethany. Now, on the surface, that in and of itself seems odd. His friend is sick, needs the healing powers of Jesus, and Jesus says, No, nah, that's all right, we're going to hang out here a couple of days. Jesus notes even before he leaves for Judea that Lazarus then had died. So even without getting word, Jesus understood that his delay resulted in Lazarus' death that his illness took his life and Jesus had two days to get there. So on the surface it seems from a human standpoint it seems that Mary and Martha's plan for Lazarus' healing had suddenly gone horribly wrong. So they found themselves in what? An impossible situation. Lazarus, their brother, was gone. There was nothing they could do about it. The plan that they had, that they had figured it out, had made perfect sense, had now completely come apart at the seams. And they were left wondering what now? Thinking all is lost. How many times have we found ourselves in that same situation? In our minds, we had it all figured out. This is how it was going to play out. This is how we're going to fix all of this. And it just all falls apart. And we begin to think, what now? I find now that it is impossible to fix this. Things didn't turn out the way we thought it would, and we, in our minds, say there is no hope. There's no way out of this. But you know, someone once wrote... When God is going to do something wonderful, he begins with difficulty. If it is going to be something incredible, he begins with impossibility. When God is going to do something big, it comes in three phases. Impossible, challenging, and done. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the three different phases of God working in our lives in these circumstances and situations that we oftentimes feel there is simply no way out. There's no hope. And the first one being impossible. Mary and Martha, and the friends and family, and the mourners had shown up, found themselves in that impossible situation. Lazarus was dead. He was very dead. He was four days dead. And understand, this is in a day when they did not embalm bodies. So the natural process of decay would have been very advanced after four days. There was simply no hope in this scenario. We even see that uh, Mary or Martha, one of them says, look, look, Jesus, he, he, he doesn't smell too good right now. He's, he's already in those stages of decomposition. So why would you want that stone rolled away? And Jesus comes into Bethany, starts to come into Bethany, Mary and Martha both say, look, Jesus, if you'd have been here, all things would have been alright. Everything would have been okay. He never would have died. So in their mind, they said, Jesus, you're late. So often we find ourselves faced with an impossible situation. We think that God's never shown up for us. We think that God is late To the party, so to speak. There's really no chance. By our standards, yeah, Jesus was late. And here are Mary and Martha effectively telling him, you blew it. We gave you the opportunity to heal our brother and you dropped the ball. And now he's dead. But you see, this was just the first stage of God doing something awesome. When God is working, it's when faced with the impossible that he's really about to show up and show out. These should be exciting times, and instead we find ourselves in a state of despair. The whole of the Bible is just peppered with God showing himself in situations that are absolutely impossible. Recall the despair of the Israelites as they stood on the banks of the Red Sea. Before them lay the vast Red Sea, much too deep for them to get across, especially in the numbers that they had. The estimates say that the numbers of Israelites were in the millions. A vast Red Sea, ready to swallow up anyone who even tried to cross it. Behind them was the entire Egyptian army, waiting to once again draw them into captivity, or worse yet, punish them for their request to escape or to leave. Listen to the desperation in the voices of the Israelites as they face this circumstance. In Exodus 14, 12, it says, Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Now remember, this is the Israelites talking to Moses. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die out here in the wilderness. You see, the Israelites found themselves in an impossible situation situation. But God was about to do a mighty work. Everyone was thinking, God's late. We're now, we're stuck. We're in an impossible situation. The reality was God was right on time. And we all know how that played out. He has spread the Red Sea apart. Can you imagine the picture? I, I just want you to envision that whole thing. The Red Sea is not shallow by any means, okay? I've been there, and it is a sea. It is deep. And this, the Bible records that there was a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other, and the ground dried out so that they could walk across. I want you to think about that for a second. Hundreds of feet deep, looking up at this wall of water on either side. And it's not a short distance across either, folks. I would say that it probably took as much faith to step out into that wall of water as anything else. Trusting that God would not allow that water to come crashing down upon you as it did with the Egyptian army afterwards. But God showed up right on time. So why do you think God puts us in these situations then? Why do you think he waits and and, and lets us get into what we perceive to be an impossible circumstance before he shows himself? I think it's because he wants us to understand and to teach us that we need to rely on him and not ourselves. It is to bring glory to him and not ourselves. You see, if we do not see the situation as impossible, then we put on our Mr. Fix-It hats, typically. And we try to start coming up with our own solutions. God doesn't want this a lot of the times. God wants us to rely on Him. He doesn't need us to figure anything out. He's got it all figured out. He already has the plan. He wants us to see that. So by us ending up between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, so to speak... He puts us in a position where we have to realize that there's but one solution, and that solution is God himself. I find it interesting that for a brief moment, Martha reveals a glimpse into this thinking. Remember when she said to Jesus, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. So we get a glimpse of what appears to be Her understanding that God is almighty, all powerful, and that it doesn't matter that Jesus is in their eyes late. It'll be okay. But then it's not a short time later when Jesus tells them to roll away the stone at the entrance of the tomb, and we hear the same woman who said, God will do everything if you ask. Oh, wait, 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 don't do that. He stinks by now, he's rotten. He's stinking, he's been dead for four days. to put that another way she's saying he's too far gone it's impossible to do anything about it now are you saying those same words to God in a different circumstance things are too far gone ah but this is when God makes his grand entrance this is when he really shows up and he sets the wheels in motion and then a glimmer of hope emerges and we begin to stand in awe of his mighty works. And that brings in the next phase when God is doing something. He takes it from impossible, now it just looks challenging. At this point, we've hopefully rely, learned to rely completely on him for the plan and the means. And we suddenly realize the situation is no longer impossible, but it's not going to be done for us. It's time for the, at this point for God to allow, to allow God to work through us. This is the stage when our faith really begins to kick in. It's the time that that work becomes mutual. It's the time where he says, I've split the Red Sea, now you need to walk across. You need to have faith. You need to take trust in me and do what I'm telling you to do in this impossible circumstance. That's not to say we take over and say, okay God, I got it from here, don't worry about it. We don't take it over by any means. He is still in control. He's still calling the shots. We are simply to get out of the way and allow him to use us as he sees fit. We are to act on faith. Now we may not understand why we are to do it, but we're to do it nonetheless. And we will face mountains during this time for sure. But you remember what Jesus himself said about our faith in Mark 11? Verse 23 says, Verily I say unto you, that whatsoever thou shalt say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and thou shalt not doubt in his heart. But thou shalt believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. I've heard many, many definitions of faith, but I found this one particularly interesting. It says, faith is telling the mountain to move and then only being surprised when it does not. Think about that. Faith is telling the mountain to move and only being surprised when it doesn't move. But this phase only works when we say, yes. Remember the challenge that Jesus gave Martha And he said, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then the challenge, believest thou this? You see, Jesus just laid it all out. He laid it all out there. It was a time for Martha to reassure Jesus. She was on board with his plan. And of course, she responded with the affirmative, "Yea, Lord. She responded, "Yea, Lord. The impossible becomes possible, not just when God makes up God's mind to do something, but also when we say, Yes, I believe, I trust in you. It is at this point where we have faith and we watch God work, we watch his plan unfold before us, like some glorious cinema orchestrated by a heavenly director. What makes this all the more amazing is that oftentimes God's solution is one we never considered. We hadn't even thought it as a possibility. It shouldn't surprise us really, I mean after all He is God and we do not always see His other plans that intertwine with ours. We may look at the landscape around us and assume we've considered all the options and none appear to be viable or workable. That's probably because your solutions aren't workable or viable for you, but God's are. And we need to remember that we do not always know the other things that God is working on in order that his plan might come together with regard to our circumstances. And as harsh as it might seem to us, Lazarus' death was actually a part of God's plan. Now, neither you nor I would ever decide that in order for us to accomplish something that God would need somebody to die. But that was part of God's plan. But those in attendance that day had their part in God's grand plan as well. Mary and Martha were to believe that and someone was to roll away the stone. Now, could Jesus have simply said, go away, stone? And off it went, flying off into the distance? Absolutely. He could have spoke it and the stone would have disappeared from existence. But he wanted them to act in faith. And he wanted them to believe that God was doing, what God was doing, even though they didn't understand it at the time. Remember Martha's statement about the fact that Lazarus had been decaying? Once again, this was in the Middle East. And they didn't embalm at the time. Jesus could have moved the stone, but he wanted them to act in faith and obedience and watch his will unfold before them. Note to Jesus' response to Martha after voicing her concerns about his condition. John 1140, remember, said, Jesus saith her unto her, say I, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Jesus is reminding him. said, Didn't I just say a moment ago to you, That if you would have faith and act in faith, that you would see God's glory revealed before you? So too it is in this work. Our work of our lives. We just believe. We act in obedience. We act in faith and we will see the glory of God revealed before us. Then the last stage we're going to talk about this morning is simply done. The last stage of a mighty work of God is done. It always is completed. This is the stage when we look at what he's accomplished and we stand there in absolute amazement. We marvel at the glory of God. We marvel at the power of God. We marvel at the magnificence of God. We look at the size of the accomplishment and we give only glory to God for it. Recognize that only he could be possibly responsible for that. I want to make note of the reaction of the people after Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. In John eleven forty five, it says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. They believed on him. When God shows himself in such a manner, his place in it is unmistakable. There is no question he is behind it. But you see, what we have before us today is a clear picture of God doing the impossible. That would be his son, Jesus Christ, as well. Peter Lawson said one time, the life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities. A virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Two impossibilities. How can a baby be born of a virgin And how could somebody who was dead by all purposes in every way vacate his own tomb? Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance and left through a door marked no exit. He was the God of all creation come in in the form of a man yet another seeming impossibility. How does a God, how does the God of the universe come in the form of a man divesting himself of his glory and putting himself in a frail human body susceptible to all the things that we have to deal with in our world. He lived his entire 33 years on earth sinless, without blemish. Also an imposs- seeming impossibility for the Bible says that all of sin come short of the glory of God but Christ did not. And our sinful state puts us in an insurmountable position before a righteous and holy God. We must be righteous to come into the presence of God. And the Bible says that our righteousness is what? Is filthy rags. This is our situation. In order to enter into the presence of God, we must be righteous. And yet the Bible clearly states we are anything but We are in an impossible position. Men through the ages have tried to overcome this through good works, through generosity, through religious observances, through pseudo-obedience. And even still we're told by the Bible there is none righteous. No, not one. We are desired to spend an eternity with our God in heaven and yet nothing we do can make that possible. Nothing we do is sufficient. So in the words of the apostles, we ask then, who can be saved? And here Jesus' answer, with men, it is impossible. But remember, with God, the impossible becomes possible. And this is only possible because Jesus Christ died for all sinners. Jesus Christ made the impossible possible through his actions. Once again, we stand in an impossible situation and God steps in and says, watch this. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to go to the cross to pay the penalty that we deserve. We deserve to die on the cross that we might be declared righteous through him. Not of our own doing, not because we professed our faith in him, but because of his righteousness imputed to us as a result of our faith. With God, the impossible becomes possible because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is the most incredible impossibility ever. That a God who is willing to die for mankind... A creator willing to offer himself as a sacrifice for his creation. But see, our God masters the impossible. He glides through the challenging. And as Jesus proclaimed from the cross of Calvary just before he offered himself up, it is finished. He has done the work. He has made the impossible possible. And with his death and subsequent resurrection, he stamped forever on the redemption of mankind Done. have you put your faith in the impossible work of Jesus Christ today in the work that only he could accomplish for he says for I am the way the truth and the life no one cometh but to the father but by me there's but one way to salvation folks and that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone put your faith in him today and receive the the impossible work made possible let's stand as we go to the Lord Heavenly Father as we come before your throne this morning we thank you for this time we've had together we thank you for your word we ask that you just continue to work in our lives Lord show us your glory show us your work show us your majesty that we might continue to glorify you and uplift you and exalt you And Lord, in those times when we face the impossible, we just ask that you continue to give us the peace and understanding of knowing that you are in control and that while it might seem impossible to us, that is when you show up the best. Have your will and way in all the lives today here, Lord. Touch the hearts of those that need to receive you for the first time. That you might be once again glorified in all of that. And we pray these things, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. (laughs)
0: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music and Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast, and Beyond Pod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church space hyphen space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await His joyful return.
1: Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe He's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Meadowfield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at providencembcgaston at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.